Hi everyone. Well, a lot of people rightly have the question, what if my stock drops? What do I do? What are my options? You know, because we've been spoiled recently. The market's just gone in one direction. It's gone up, 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 or it's gone up. They've had lots of profits in a stock in the, in the bank, and then it's dropped, which doesn't feel as bad. It just means your profits have reduced. But what if instead it didn't go up much and then drops and it, had, it was ticking all the boxes, a bit like an employee, you hire them on paper, they look great, then they're a nightmare. So what do we do? Well, let me share my experience and expertise with you. First of all, you've got to ask what's behind it in terms of those falls for that stock. Is it just all stocks are falling because the market is falling? And if you want to know what's going on with the market, you know, Bloomberg News is a good free resource to have a look or cnbc.com free. You get a good quick flavor. Oh, everything's falling. You know, when that happens, you might say, well, Arpish, no, no, I want a stock which only goes up whether the market falls or rises. I just want it to go up. And Arpish, can't you make the market rise all the time? What's wrong with you? Okay, so you know what to do with those questions. The second thing is, is it profit taking because it's done so well recently and people are just taking profits? In which case, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the company and it suggests you might want to see through the storm. It's a bit like flying from New York to London. There's a bit of turbulence. It's short term, you'll get through it. You're not about to call an emergency landing, okay? The third thing to ask yourself is, are its fundamentals still largely intact? In other words, are they roughly similar to what they were when you bought it? In terms of valuation, price earnings ratio, for instance, revenue growth, cash flow it's generating, uh, consistency of outperformance. Uh, obviously, share price won't look like when you bought it because it's fallen a bit. But are they roughly the same? So, you know, it's not as if there's been some shocking announcement. Uh, and by this, when I say roughly the same, I don't mean it's, you know, it's expected to get profits of 10% in the last six months and they just had an announcement and they only got 9%. That's roughly the same, even 8%. I mean, if something's gone from being profitable to, oh, they've just announced they've got losses and they're going to have losses for the foreseeable future. Do you know what I mean? Something like that, that completely different. So if those things are what's behind it, then you've got reason to relax a bit. Hey, fundamentals largely intact. It's just profit taking with the rest of the market and because it's done so well. So it doesn't look like there's something wrong. Let's have a couple of examples. Okay. And these relate to me personally. Let's take example number one, a sort of easy example. Take a company like Microsoft and let's assume for the moment you bought this because you liked it on its fundamentals. Now I've marked on here for the last, what, three odd years in red, the prolonged periods it can fall. And you might look at this and say, blimey neck, Alpesh, that's almost tripled in those three years, but there were prolonged periods where it can fall. Now, I don't want it to fall. Well, sorry, that's what comes with the territory. If you don't want any volatility of prolonged periods lasting months where it can go sideways, those are the arrows in green, or where it can fall, then you should have a bank account, not a stock investment. And here's what else is interesting. That stock pretty much tripled in three years, yet it spent as much time falling or going sideways as it did rising. So 50% of the time, it was going nowhere or falling. 
and 50% of the time it was rising. Now, not all stocks behave like this. I mean, remember, we picked one which fundamentally we liked. So just take, if you don't like it, just take it as an assumption for the purposes of this example. So I'm calmer because I'm thinking, hang on, fundamentally it's still the same. Everything else is okay. It's falling. The market's falling. Profit doing nothing fundamentally wrong. And I know there'll be periods of turbulence like this. This gives me perspective. Okay, let's take another example. PayPal also relates to me. And here's a, uh, here's a chart going back again, what, four years? So, you know, I'm not just cherry picking a little period. We're talking uh, for coming on to five years. And in that period, again, it's spent as much time falling as it has done sideways. That doesn't mean all good stocks fall and go sideways. I'm saying, let's assume for a moment, when we bought it, we fundamentally liked it. And presently, fundamentally, things are roughly the same. There might be a few negative columns nothing substantive just you know oh is everything moving to the new challenger banks you know those kind of pieces we don't get spooked by you know the odd column so we look at this and we think to ourselves okay yeah it's fallen it's fallen more than it's done at any point in the last five years again is it fundamentally sound is it general profit taking do i still like it now what are my options so let's say we find ourselves in that position what are the options what are the strategies we might want to examine and look at. So these are our options, okay? And the options are these, right? One, you could hold tight. For example, move the stop loss from 25% from the entry. You move it to, if it drops 25% from when I entered it, not 25% from the highest since I entered. All right, think about that for a moment, what that means. Because you're giving it more room to manoeuvre. Or you could make it a 35% stop loss. You can see the downside you could end up, which I'll come to in a second. But it gives it more room for manoeuvre, particularly if it's a stock that you still like. Okay, uh, you could extend the time frame for which you're holding it. It's like owning a house. Let's say I bought a house, I think it's amazing, and there's a recession. Or some somebody comes along and says, oh, not worth a million it's only worth eight hundred thousand you might say well i don't care what you think i'm going to hold on to it for longer or there's a recession you might think do you know what i thought we could have flipped this house in a year might take two years but at least i'll still make i don't know 50 percent over those two years i would have liked to have made it in a year of course i would okay so again where does that leave us okay where does that uh leave us this is where it leaves us okay you make it 35% if you wish, but I'll talk about the pros and cons. You hold for a bit longer, that's another way. So I ask myself, when will it go to an all-time high? Obviously, you need a price chart to look at that. That's easy. You can, put a, you can look on Google Finance. If you want to see a price chart for a stock, they'll be on there, or on Yahoo Finance. It's easy to find stock price charts. So I ask myself, when will it go to an all-time high again? Am I willing to wait for whatever return that implies? Okay? Because obviously, those are two questions. And you say, well could go back to where it was in maybe a year, in two years. Am I willing to wait? Yeah, actually I am, because that could give me a 50% return or 30% return in two years. I'll live with that, okay? That's one way to look at it. What are the pro pros of moving this stop loss or elongating your time frame? The pros are you're not taking a loss on a stock, which is fundamentally otherwise sound in a quality company, which should deliver a return given more time. What are the cons? The cons are it may take longer than anticipated. 
and it could keep falling and fundamentals then turn negative later and when you sell you've lost more. So how do you mitigate the cons? Well you could sell some of the position now to give you a degree of certainty like 10% of it or 20% of it or 50% of it. The second option you have is actually to sell everything. What's the benefit of that? Certainty. Okay, if you're worried, you want certainty, that gives you certainty. What are the cons? The cons are the opportunity cost of a turnaround. You'd have missed out on the potential gain, you've taken a loss, nobody likes to do that. How do you mitigate the con? You sell some of the position now, like I said, 10% to 50% of your holding. Okay, but that still leaves this sort of nagging doubt at the back of our head, which is, why did it have to go down? Why can't it just keep going up? Should I hold it still? You know, I want more certainty to the upside and I want more certainty that I won't have any more downside. Of course, that's what we want, it's human nature. So let's look at that as an issue, okay? Because now you know you like less risk than you thought you did. So you could add an extra filter. For instance, price earnings growth filter, which is a filter of valuation. You could say, you know what, in future, I want that peg to below one. I'm going to pick extra filters for extra certainty. You could say, you know, I've decided I like less risk. I want volatility around 15% for a stock, not 20%, not 25, which is what I thought. In a bull market, everybody loves risk, but the true risk appetite comes when the market's falling. And you might still say, but I want big guaranteed returns and no downside alpesh. That's what you really mean, okay? Read the annual investor letters of the world's richest investor, Warren Buffett. And time again, every single year, he'll say, we bought this, didn't work out as we thought. He hardly ever gives anyone an explanation because he knows it's some X factor as it didn't work out the way we thought. I want you for a minute on that point to have a look at this. That's probably the safest no-brainer company anybody could think of around February of 2020 when it fell, what, 20, 25%? Of course, it went on to rise. We know that in hindsight. So what should we have done? Okay, well, we should have recognized these things happen. I was still fully invested in it. Or in the words of Warren Buffett, I've been a net buyer of stocks since I was 11. So have I. Now, what should we have done? We asked our questions, and in this case, we stayed in. Of course, in a perfect world, in hindsight, what we should have done is got out right at the peak there, just as COVID hit, because our spy in Wuhan laboratory told us it was going to come and hit, and our perfect crystal ball and time machine told us we should get back in at this bottom point. Given that we don't know that, what should we have done? And that depends on these questions and your personal risk appetite. If you want more certainty, you sell and you miss out on the opportunity cost of a turnaround, which is what happened to a lot of people in that case. Or if you were more like me, you held tight. You said, you know what? I'm willing to wait longer, which I didn't need to as it happened. And I'll put the stop loss further away, not worried. Okay. The con was, it may take longer than anticipated. And do you know what I did? I think I might've at the time, maybe sold 10% of my holding just in case. Because even I get worried. Now, this time it's going to be different. This time it won't come back. This is something I, there's something I don't know out there about Microsoft. As it turns out, yet again, there wasn't anything we didn't know. It was just everything else was falling. So that's probably a good example. And all of these examples, or both these examples, work only where the company is still, as I said in the first slide, fundamentally sound. 
and all the other aspects are in play. There's only two guarantees in life, death and taxes. Okay. The other certainties are, when it comes to investing, stocks will rise and fall. If you want certainty, get a bank account. And the final certainty is no one has a crystal ball. As I showed you with Microsoft, not even I. Which is why people like me and Warren Buffett stay invested in those quality companies throughout those periods of volatility. Why didn't we sell at the peak and get back in at the bottom if we're so clever? Because we don't have a crystal ball or time machine. All we know is the bits we can control are make sure the companies are fundamentally sound. What we can't control we don't worry about like turbulence, headwinds, like viruses. Don't worry about those because we can't control those. And we don't chase or gamble the next fad. Oh, is it going to be a turnaround for retail? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? Is it going to be that? So we don't do those things, okay? Hopefully this has helped clarify the scenario. Um, and I like, you know, part of what I'm about is I don't want, when people have got issues or worries about the markets, I want to be accessible and I want to be able to, reply back to them. And, and if one person's got a concern, then I know 100 will. When we used to do my show on Bloomberg TV, before we'd go on air at 7 p.m., if the markets had fallen, we'd be mindful as presenters and say, look, remember, a lot of people will have lost money. Let's speak to them empathetically. And that's what this is. You know, people are worried, they'll have concerns. What I don't like to do is just throw a load of data at people and say, here's a piece of software, go away now, we don't want to speak to you. Or here's a load of knowledge, books, materials go away don't want to speak to you what i like to do is anticipate what you might be thinking as we did on bloomberg tv and then address it and use that as an opportunity to educate as well but most importantly for you to find your own risk appetite and say you know what arpesh might well want to hold on to microsoft i don't i want more certainty i've discovered i'm going to go into a bank account the one thing that does not exist is the holy grail of the person with the time machine because that's what we all want in times of grief. Please tell me what I should do. Please tell me what the future holds. There's a reason astrologers are in business. People want that reassurance that somebody somewhere knows more. And if you do that and say, oh, I'll just keep it to a manager and whatever, that's not actually the answer. The answer is knowing yourself and having that information to hand because nobody cares about your money more than you do. Not a fund manager, no one else, okay? I desperately care that you have all the knowledge and information to hand and that's why I do these extra videos when called upon or when I look at the markets and I think, you know what, I want to do this for you guys. Thank you very much. I hope you found that really helpful and useful. Thank you.